Go to dark Gethsemane, all who feel the tempter's power. Your Redeemer's conflict see, watch with him one bitter hour. Turn not from his griefs away. Learn from Jesus Christ to pray. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Devotion, passion, crucifixion, and resurrection. That's the pattern of Holy Week, starting today, going through Holy Thursday and Good Friday, and then on, of course, to next week and Easter Sunday. But it's not just the pattern of Holy Week and of Jesus's last days before his death and resurrection. It's also the pattern for the Christian life. Now, it doesn't always come in that order, but all of those elements do come at the right and proper time. And so over this week, we're going to be focusing on that great hymn, Go to Dark Gethsemane, and each of those things that happen in our Christian life, starting today with devotion or worship or prayer, and how we can learn from Jesus Christ to engage in those things. Now, when I was a kid, and I read the account or heard the account in church of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I had my first sort of encounter with the doctrine of the Trinity, because you have to sort of figure out what's going on here. From a very young age, I was told that Jesus was God, and here he is praying, talking to God at the same time. It's like, isn't he talking to himself? Doesn't he already know what he's going to say? And that's what I had open to me, this idea that this one true God exists as a father who sends forth his son into creation to redeem creation, and from whom and through the son comes the spirit that gives us life. Three persons, yet one Lord and one God. To truly pray, then, as Jesus is demonstrating in the garden, must be to truly know God. The Son knows the Father intimately, and that must somehow be at the center of what enables him to pray. That would explain, therefore, the reaction of the disciples in the garden, who are asked by Jesus to pray that they may not enter into temptation, or to translate it another way, pray that they would be delivered from the time of trial. And that's precisely what they don't do. They all fall asleep. And Jesus has to come after his great and mighty act of prayer to the Father and wake them up. Could you not watch with me even one hour? Why couldn't they pray? Why was it that in their grief for what was going to happen, they were so overwhelmed that the one thing they couldn't do was pray? Well, you all me included, may have some insight into that. When are those times when you feel least like gathering together for worship or least like going to God in prayer? Aren't they the times when things are going the worst? Aren't they the times when you feel like God must be too busy to be concerned about what's happening with you right now in your life? Aren't those precisely the moments when you want to just curl up in the fetal position on your bed and go to sleep? can we not identify maybe even just a little bit with the disciples and what they must have been going through? 
But while they're sleeping, and while we may lack the courage to go to God in prayer, over there on the other side of the garden is our Lord and Master, the Son of God in the flesh, kneeling down in prayer. Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass. But even now, your will be done. Now, if you think about it from our perspective, if I think about it as a pastor from the perspective of people that come to me trying to understand prayer, this seems like a profoundly silly prayer. Gee, I'd rather not have to be crucified, even though I know that's precisely why you sent me into the world. Even though three times I have told the disciples that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and then on the third day rise again. Even though Jesus knows all these things, here he is in the garden saying, Lord, if there's another way, Father, if there's some other path, Dad, I'm all ears. Even so, your will be done. What kind of prayer is that? It's precisely the prayer of someone who trusts God. Someone who knows the Father intimately and knows that the Father is there no matter what is going to come. And in his moment of grief, his moment of despair, knowing what is about to happen to him, He doesn't curl up in the fetal position. He doesn't go to bed. He kneels down and he cries out to his father because he knows his father will listen. That's what makes the disciples different from Jesus in that moment in the garden, right? It's the trust that Jesus has that his father is there and listening, a trust the disciples don't yet have. They don't yet know God rightly, and therefore in their grief, they feel distant from God, whereas Jesus in his grief can do nothing else but call out in prayer. Now, the disciples are going to come to know God fully in Jesus, know him as a merciful and gracious Lord, know him as the God that would go to the extreme length of dying on a cross that they might be saved, know him as a God who will do anything to listen to his fallen people, and then they will be able to pray. And it happens at Pentecost. The spirit comes down and suddenly these terrified disciples who don't know which end is up in the world are crying out publicly to God as their father and inviting all people to come and pray with them to come and know God rightly. Look at the book of Acts. Look at the disciples in the temple. Look at the disciples gathering everyone together in worship. Look at the disciples in prison before their guards singing hymns, and praying to the same God that they were falling asleep in front of just a few weeks earlier. Because what we learn from Jesus about prayer is that prayer is all about trust in God. Not in a distant God, not in an abstract God, not in an anonymous God, not in a to whom it may concern kind of prayer. 
but to a God that you can call father, dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what I should do about this job offer. I don't know which college I should go to. I don't know if I should go on this date or not. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this school day or not. But I trust you, Dad. Be there with me. Let the cup pass. And if not, thy will be done. Once we know God, we know how to pray. So when I meet Christians who struggle with worship, coming together, because that's what we're doing here right now, is coming together both to listen and also to speak to our Father, or even with Christians that are struggling with how to interact with God on a daily basis. Pastor, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I realize I'm dealing with people who have not yet learned the Father's face in Jesus, who aren't yet quite there in terms of trusting that God is always ready to listen and never wants you to feel like he's too busy for you. And so I give you, and I even give myself, this encouragement from Paul's writing to the Romans in chapter 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, the saints being you and I, baptized into Christ, according to the will of God. The disciples in Gethsemane could see Jesus but they didn't yet know of God in Jesus yet. And until they received the Spirit, they couldn't. But once they did, then they could pray. And all of you who are able to say Jesus is Lord have that same Spirit, the same Spirit that Paul later in Romans gets us to call out, Daddy, Father. And so in that great, wonderful stanza of the hymn says, learn of Jesus Christ to pray, this is precisely what it means. To learn first who God is in Jesus. And knowing that we can trust that God always has our best at heart, that he desires to see us saved and not condemned, then we know we can go to him with anything. Even if we know what is about to come to pass, we can still go to him and we can always pray, Dad, let this cup pass. But whatever your will is, we know you will be there. Without Jesus, prayer is highly problematic. Who are you praying to? And do they even care? But we can learn from Jesus the true nature of prayer, because what we learn from Jesus is the true nature of the God who is listening. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.